Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Pep Guardiola once again reveals himself to be a cunt <laughs> and somebody finally calls an out on it because it's not some fawning fucking journalist. It's not Jeff Shreves just desperate to be pals with him. He's saying Tyrone Mings is trying to waste time in the 35th minute by letting his goalkeeper take a free kick. He's a fucking tit. <laughs> and he realised that and then he tries to make amends by pretending, ah, I'm not actually bothered by that. That's beneath me. It's not beneath you. You constantly prove in interviews that things like that aren't beneath you. You're a narky little prick, Pep. <laughs> Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. And you didn't have to be a lip reader to see the one syllable that Dean Smith had perfectly summed up John Moss with prick is what he always had said after John Moss flashed the second yellow gave him a red card and sent him off there's a couple of things about this right so we're going to get into this offside thing in a second right and genuinely there's a question I want you to answer is like at what stage do Villa take hefty legal action against the Premier League for this stuff but I'm going to get back to that the John Moss thing right Forget, right? Imagine that was actually a legitimate goal. John Moss has to have some bit of cop on. Villa have just conceded in the 80th minute in the toughest ground you can go to. Terrible conditions. They've had a terrible time. They haven't played in 19 days. They've played so well. They've conceded in the 80th minute. They, you know, a mistake as well. Never mind the decision. Obviously, the decision is up, up for uh, debate as well. John Moss, who thinks he's a big man, <laughs> has already been forced into changing the decision from a goal kick to a corner based solely on pressure from Man City players. No, he got the right decision, but he only changed his mind because he was under a bit of pressure. And now he's coming over trying to act like a big man to a manager who is obviously disgruntled. John Moss has given him a yellow card. 
have a bit of like game management. Like, where does that come into play of a referee? Let it go. You don't need to come over and give him a second red and try to throw your weight about. And then suddenly for the next 10 minutes, just decide to give Villa no freeze. Two blatant fouls on Jack Grealish, completely overlooked because John Moss has now decided that he does not like Aston Villa or Dean Smith. Prick could not sum him up anymore. Now, there's also an element, like, you know, if you're Dean Smith and you're looking at it thinking, Jesus, if Tyrone Mings doesn't dick about again, you know, you leave with a really hard flat point. But then you look at it back, and I'm seeing, I'm so disappointed. I'm a big fan of Jamie Carragher, who is talking about, uh, he's just retweeting people saying that it's, that it's a different phase of play because Tyrone Mings has controlled the ball. Tyrone Mings hasn't controlled the ball. He's tried to control the ball, and then the ball is taken off him before it even gets to his feet by a player who's coming from an offside position. The only reason that Tyrone Mings has to control the ball in the first place, because that player is there. I'm, I'm fucked off. Go ahead, Liam. I don't even know. I don't really have a question to ask you. What do you think? Well, let's, let's get John Moss out of the way first yeah, off. Like he's, he he's obviously a pathetic, vindictive arsehole. Like, <laughs> I, I actually have no problem with him giving the second yellow card, because fair enough, Dean Smith has called him a prick. <laughs> you don't have to book him in the first place. Yeah. Everybody in the fucking stadium knows what has happened there. He's yeah. obviously pissed off. He's pissed off because his team's conceded a goal in the first place. And he's pissed off because it's a fucking shambolic decision. Yeah. Now you're t- talking about Tyrone Mings. Yeah. Like, how many times do I have to say it? Yeah. Stay awake, Tyrone. There's a game of football on. You're fucking playing in it. Yeah. There's a six foot three centre midfielder behind you. You're saying he's taking a touch because Rodri's behind him. I don't think he fucking knows that. I think that's why he's taking a touch because he's oh. the last man. There's nobody near him. He's taking a touch to calmly play the ball out from the back. Look around. John Moss is the ref. Anything can happen here. <laughs> but there is also an element of that, though, is that I think you're right. He does know he's there, and that's not great. But that's also why he gets caught by this as well. Like, you know, he's trying to. Maybe that would mean then that it's fine, it's a different phase of play, but again, he hasn't gotten under control. I still think it's shambolic that, you know, this, this couldn't be a clear incident of somebody who's offside affecting the play. And again, if Tyrone Mings knows he's there, he's acting because of that. And if he doesn't know he's there, he hasn't been allowed to control the ball. Like, whatever way he slices it, it's a terrible decision. But yeah, there's still that element of complete frustration because, like I say, you've come to the toughest opposition in Europe. You're away from home. It's a terrible night. They've won five games in the trot. You're doing amazingly. And if you get that point, you go away. And you do it with a great performance as well, full of heart. Instead, it's just all undone by... Look, it's all undone by Tyrone Mings' mistake, but it's also undone by another bad decision. And you know what's the worst about it? Yet again, and I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, like, you look at charts about, you know, VAR decisions affecting teams. You know, Villa will usually be high up them anyway, like, you know, in, in a bad way, like they have lost points. But Villa are being undone by VAR not being used. How many, like, every time, like, this is like four or five times now already, Villa are losing out because VAR have decided to not even look at it. Why would you not even just look at it? Well, you don't know that, you don't know that the VAR lads weren't looking at it, and so... We'll assume they did. What then do they do? They then refer it to John Moss. Sure, fucking nothing's going to change there anyway. <laughs> what is the point of referring it to him? That would be an absolute waste of everybody's time and all the anti-varers would be 
would be well within their rights to complain about time being wasted because fuck all would have changed. I, I, oh, it's so annoying. Like, yeah, Tyrone Mings, take a proper touch. Know there's somebody behind you. Use a ball. John Moss, look at the VAR. Talk to the VAR. You know that he's offside. Fucking, t- Rodri's not in midfield anymore, Mings. Yeah. Look up the pitch. You can't miss that he's not there. He's fucking massive. He's dominating the game. He has to be behind me. I don't even know, like, I sort of don't even have the heart to go into the rest of us now. This was a, a decent performance from Villa under a lot of pressure. Of course they were. They're playing Man City, who, you know, has to win to go top of the league. Like, they're ramping up through the gears now. Villa are coming back from an extended break. It's, it's a hard... Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, it is a hard one to take. I mean, Villa were... You can nearly say they were tactically perfect tonight. There was a there was a great mix of possession and counter-attacking. Yeah. You know, whenever you sit back and retreat that much, the most important thing, and that's a fine thing to do, it's a perfectly legitimate way to play, but so long as whenever you do have the ball, you actually use it. It's even more important to actually use it whenever you're going to play like that because you have the ball so rarely. And Villa were really brave on the ball. I mean, the players weren't... The first half, anyway, the players weren't tuned in, and that resulted in either not playing the pass quickly enough or playing the pass really poorly. A lot of under-hit or over-hit passes. And I'm not saying they were disgraced or they, they should, should be ashamed of themselves. I'm saying that's why they didn't win or they didn't get a goal early on in the game. And then even in defence, we had a really solid 4-4-2 defensive shape, 4-5-1 later on. When we could get set, and even when we could get set, City are brilliant. I mean, yeah. They were still able to create situations and opportunities. But we, we, when we couldn't get set, because we were being so brave on the ball and we lost it a few times, brave is a bit condescending. It's just how Villa play. Yeah. But when you do play like that, you have to accept the opposition getting themselves into loads of dangerous positions. It's a trade-off. It's a balance of risk. And you have to be prepared for and trust the one-on-one defensive capabilities and last-ditch and heart and desire of your team. And they were absolutely brilliant at that. Like, we know Cash and Konza and Mings love that stuff. And they were brilliant again tonight. And Conan, tonight, and I hope you're not recording this, <laughs> Matt Target was brilliant defensively until they had to go off injured. So they were all on it. It was, it was a really, really, really good performance, choosing to play that way. And sure, City had a lot of opportunities, a lot of block shots. But Villa knew that was going to happen. They accepted that. They trusted their defenders. And then again, should they fucking trust them that much whenever Tyrone Mings can be so fucking brain dead? But like, you're right, and like, it's a spot-on piece of analysis, and the trade-off is worth it. Like, I was looking at that tonight thinking, just, yeah, the defense is doing really well. Like, they're all, they're all on it, they're under a lot of pressure, and they're coping, largely. Like, you know, so this was worth it. They have a few more flashes of it. Like, Villa, Villa always look dangerous this season. That, that's the great thing about it, and it actually brings me on nicely. <laughs> I want to talk about Bertrand Trorori because yet again I'm coming out of a game not knowing exactly what to think of him. But I do have an interesting thing in my head now where if I compare, say, Barkley and Trorori, the things that frustrate me with Trorori, say, is like I've talked about it before, is carelessness and possession. And Barkley is exactly the same, and yet I am way, way more forgiven of Barkley. Like, even many times tonight, does Barkley just try to flick it around somebody to get it to the other side? And it doesn't pay off, but, but it's fine because you're like, you know, there's so many times then when you see Barkley just coming through the middle of the ball and you're like, yeah, it's, it's worth trying that because 
you know, the, the difference, like if you put, not, not to get at him, if you put El Ghazi there, you're just not opening a team up as easily as you do sometimes with the way Barkley does it. And, and that's what Ferrari does as well. And I think that almost justifies that decision of playing Ferrari. But it is, and maybe it's just because Barkley's built up a bit of credit because I've seen him way more over the years. Um, that I'm, I'm willing to sort of give him a pass and losing the ball. And I'm not with Ferrari. And then Ferrari, that touch when he put the brown on his arse was phenomenal. But there's just such a mixed bag then. Like, you know, he was a bit more switched on defensively. He does a couple of frustrating things in attack. And then, you know, he does that thing where he, he tries to clear the ball and he clears it in his own box. <laughs> he only did it once tonight, so that was good. And then the, he was bullied by Phil Foden. <laughs> you know, put Phil Foden on his arse, coming shoulder to shoulder. Like, Phil Foden has the audacity to try and shoulder Bertrand Terori out of the way. Put him through the ground and take the ball and carry it away. He was just too nice there. But overall, I thought he was good. But again, I'm a bit uncertain. And I haven't even looked at the reaction online. I imagine it's a mixed bag as well. How do, how, how do you see the Terori thing? Yeah, again, like he is, he is a curious sort of a player, isn't he? Um, yeah, like there was one where yeah he volleyed it just across the box to a better city player than <laughs> Shinchenko. <laughs> just let Shinchenko have it, mate. There's no point in clearing that. And then there was one in the first half as well where he just cushioned the pass at the edge of his own box and goes for the return, but he cushioned it to two city players <laughs> in his own box. It was bizarre mental behaviour. But there was one in the first half as well where he just, you know, he skins two lads, skins a third, skins a, a third in the box, and it was br- it was a brilliant clearance from from Martinez, and it's a great header from Watkins, and it's brilliant from Barkley to get the ball to Troy, and then he does amazingly inside the city box, skins two lads, and then he just turns down the shot a yeah, few times. Twice. That's fair enough. Whenever you see the bodies, it's so easy to turn down the shots, but you know that was just another flash of brilliance from him, and that touch to go around the Bruyne. And the, the, even the arrogance to take the shot on, he absolutely fluffs the shot. Like mm. He doesn't get anything behind it. But, like, you know, the, the faith in your own ability to have the shot from there and to take it so quickly, knowing that there's no other Villa player going to get up in time, that I thought was brilliant as well. Ah, he was a mixed bag. He was in and out of the game. He was a lot more clued in defensively. Still really bad at it, though. He was... He was, he was Dreadful at just letting the fullback run off him, whether it was Cancelo or or Jinchenko. Yeah, he actually came stronger in the second half. I thought, like you know, he just by some relieving runs there was a stage where I was thinking, geez, he could play further, further up. Like he could play off the off the striker. I know people said that he can play there as well, but um, just got him behind. Well, like you said, obviously has good positional sense and attack. There, like that, like that was frustrating. Like that, that one where he cuts inside, he roasts Cancelo. He like just chips it over his tackle cuts back inside him and then takes it past somebody else and there's a chance to shoot, takes it past somebody else, chance to shoot and just carries it on. You know, meanwhile, <laughs> everybody's watching him as well. You know, so it's, it's either cross it or shoot it. That, I, I know what you're going to say and he, he backs his own ability, but he needs to learn to have that bit more conviction there and be more decisive. Ah, but there's nothing, to, there's nothing to have conviction about. You know if he shoots there, it's just hitting off a lad's ankle. Like, it's not, nothing's going to happen. There's too many bodies. It's too tight to his own feet. Like, it's, ah, it's just one of those situations that develops, and it's, just, it's really annoying because after the first touch, you think he's, you think he's in. Then when you see the replay, you realize, ah, like Diaz is back, Stones is behind Diaz. All he can see is blue. He can't even see Ederson's pink jersey behind that. Like, ah, 
you never shoot in those situations and if you do it's just because you're fucking knackered and you're just accepting that hopefully something will happen here it was early in the game ah you might as well just keep trying <laughs> you might go past seven people in the box yeah two hilarious moments one of them was Truri when he completely done Sinchenko with a dummy cross and he was on mm. to his right he was completely past him and he came back on his left to cross it. So he didn't even need to dummy him in because Sinjago was still there to try and block it. It was a good cross. I mean, it didn't, didn't matter. But taking it past him like, was pointless because he just came back onto that left. And I don't know if you noticed in the first half, Tyrone Mings disguised a, a blast back to Martinez. You know, he pretended like he was about to drill it before gently rolling it towards the keeper. Nobody thought you were fucking ballooning it, like, you know, out for a corner. It was like one of those ones where there's a boy closing him down and he's trying to look cool. So he's trying to sort of throw a little dummy with a pretend clearance, but he's facing Martinez and then he just trickles it back to him. It's like, of course you were doing that. What else would you do? You don't know why he was pretending to do anything else. I'm, I'm glad we've come back onto that fucking arsehole. There was, one, <laughs> there was one later on as well where he's running down the channel and he, he's done this before this season where... He takes a touch and it looks really good because he's really strong. He's knocking the guy off the ball and he's, he's composed inside his own box. But he takes a touch into the, his own box again against yeah. Man City. And there's just players streaming in. And then he plays a no-look pass to, Konza. to Esri Konza. Yeah, To Esri Konza's left foot. I assume he did that because he didn't want it on his right. So he gives it to Konza's left. <laughs> what the fuck was that about? And it's no-look. Konza hasn't a clue what's about to happen. Luckily, Kanz is absolutely fucking class. But that was just like, what are you doing, Tyrone? Yeah. And that was, that was the first sign. The cock-up for the goal probably, probably shouldn't have been as big a surprise or had, shouldn't have been as annoying because we know we fucking does stuff like that. Yeah, like that, it was funny because that one you're talking about, like, yeah, and Kanz is two metres away from him as well. It's such a terrible decision to pass at him. Um, he underhits it as well. Underhits it. it. It sort of feeds into Mings just maybe trying to get a pass completed. You know, Robert, like he doesn't want to be the one to clear it away again, even though he seems he loves it. Um, and that the commentary over the top of that was talking about Villa defending great. Just need to make sure you're not doing anything stupid now, as Mings just spent the next 14 seconds unraveling his own good play. It was um, strange, but like good that you mentioned Kanza because ah, like I was hoping to. I was hoping to start this podcast with, with six very simple words. Ezra Kanza is in the matrix. Like, there's nothing this guy can't do. Like, he sees things way before everybody else. He, he, the laws of, of what me and you know about football are not the same for Ezra Kanza. Like, he's, he's on a different plane. And those laws that, that we generally apply to football, like, they're, they're very simply worked out for him. And he's mastered them completely. He's, he's just brilliant and he, he knows where to be. He's like a magnet to the ball. Like, it seems like it's actually the best thing about him. He's, he's just utterly prepared for every one of the defenders to either make a mistake or get done by a, you know, somebody running at them. So he's just always there on red alert. Looking like, like, he knows when the player's going to cross it, he slides in front of it. He knows when it's going to go in high, he has it clear. He knows when to come out and block it. does everything right. He, he is sensational. I honestly can't speak highly enough of him. I was, he is, and he was absolutely sensational again tonight. And he must have some amount of red circles on his body tonight, just from the <laughs> amount of blocks he put in. 
from that distance on a cold, wet night as well. God love him. Yeah. But he was he was class and he just loves loves taking the joy out of a centre forwards Wednesday night. Yeah, like Paul McGrath's book. I think it's the start of it anyway. I'm pretty sure it's the start of it. It's, it's talking about USA '94, and I think it's the Italy match where Ireland won one nil. And McGrath is just talking about being in that moment towards the end of the game. They're holding out for a one nil win, like one of the most famous results in the country's history. And he's just he's, he's talking about knowing that he's going to get his head to every ball, and he's knowing he's going to be in the right position. And like he just felt like the ball was coming to him rather than he was. He was making his way to that. He just, he just felt like he was taking up the entire box and he couldn't not put people out of his way to get to the ball and just everything was possible. And just honestly watching Ezra Konza and it's deflating now I'm talking about this in a 2-0 defeat. But like he's just grown from strength to strength. It's not a flash in the pan. He's getting better. He's had a setback with, with sickness and he's still come back better than ever. He's, um, he's brilliant and... The only other thing I wanted to mention at the top of the show was Jack Grealish, the enforcer. So, uh, Kyle Walker, done, out of the game. Kevin De Bruyne, done, out of the game. Jack Grealish has uh, traded off his flair and his chance creation just to, to put key players out of the game for the opposition. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a role I want for him, to be honest, but when you've got <laughs> calves that size, if you land on the back of somebody else, it's going to hurt. Or if yeah. you go fl- sliding through them, they're going to feel the impact. Uh, Jack, Jack really's put in a an incredible shift tonight, and just <laughs> even defensively again. Just I love watching it, even though it gives me a heart attack. Just the camera is always on this side. It seems whenever Villa are going from left to right, and you can just see Jack Grealish on the far side of the picture, looking desperately confused about what's happening around him, where he should be defensively. It's 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 such a treat to watch him just bumble around, trying his heart out, but having absolutely <laughs> no capacity for defending. Well, you know what? I've got, um, on that note, I've got a WhatsApp winge on Jack Grealish, so we'll get into WhatsApp winges and I'll, I'll start it with Jack Grealish. We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast. Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. And the lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably being a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real. He's, like if you, he's an uh, unlikable character. Like, what if he's put on a foot? Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not. It's not. He's not that type of player. It's not any game. Somebody put on a foot there. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their their grief with it, though, as well. Though, still, I'm not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. Like, there's there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean. They're, they're really well coached, they're really aggressive, they're really adventurous, but the players are shit. <laughs> the, the key line is that we're, we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit.
I mean, that was great. That did have everything. Only downside, those Bromley accents, though. Really <laughs> go through you, don't they? What's up, Wingers? Jack Grealish. Grealish can see, can tell who's run. He is just not bothered to track it. <laughs> like that, like that yeah. came from 15 meters away. I saw that. And he, like, he knows. Like, it's the only person he has to look at, out for. Like, Matt Target is watching Sterling. Cancelo's coming on the inside of Grealish. And he's just pretending like he doesn't see him. Turns around with his hands out, hoping somebody else has, has come across. They put out his mess. And Cancelo cuts inside and hits the crossbar. Does Ming in the, Ming's in the process, obviously. But um, Grealish can see it. He's just not bothered. And I, look, I'm not going to criticize Jack Grealish for not being good defensively, but I don't, I don't like that. Just you know, tune in for that, that five seconds. Are you sure he's not putting his hands out as if to ask, what's, what's happening here? What, which, which defensive shape is this again? What am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like it, it's, it is endearing. You're right. And I do like, you know, Rick Grealish and Barkley just sort of stay out of defending. It, it does make you more dangerous. I don't want them wasting too much energy. But with something like that, it's just too easy for City. Like City, more than anybody, just play those passes. When somebody gets free into the box, they play it to them. And uh, it's too easily punished. And thankfully, Cancelo hit the crossbar. But oh, I think I would have been a lot more angry at Grealish if he like, just tracked that run. Like, you're already in the box. You've come back. Just run for another seven meters. Like, I don't want to sound like Roy Keane. But move your feet. <laughs> Just move your feet and, and follow it. I don't know, Conan. I don't think he can. I don't think he knows. I, I honestly don't think he can do it. He doesn't. He doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. And it's bizarre. And I, I've said this before. It's just. Just do the. Just do what you would not want a defender to do against you. Yeah. Um. But this is one that I actually don't really care about, but everybody was talking about before the game, so I thought I would give the public a, throw the public a bone. Traore over El Ghazi? What the fuck? Like, I, I think El Ghazi got a... Like, Traore scored a lot of goals as well, and I thought it was an interesting decision, but only because Traore is brain-dead in defence, and <laughs> you could... You can trust El Ghazi because he's worked with Dean Smith in the defensive shape for much longer than Trory has. But uh, yeah, like it's it's one or the other for me. I mean, El Ghazi is really, really flashy in games. Never mind during the season as well. And and I still think I still think it was surprising though. But maybe maybe El Ghazi wasn't there. Maybe he wasn't he wasn't fit enough. Well, do you know what the thing is though? And I'm sort of saying it about. Um... I'm saying it about Grealish and Barkley there as well. Traore's the same in that, like, he, he, he saves most of his energy for attacking. And honestly, when El Ghazi comes on, he's definitely a safer option defensively. I saw, I saw somebody tweeting at halftime saying, um, you know, get, get, I think it was Qatar Lions. They were talking about getting Traore off, get Gilbert on, you know, because they're worrying about being doubled up and City did look frightening down the left. But Traore just gives you a bit more going forward because he's not as honest. And I do, I do like when your attacking players cheat a little bit. Like, you know, give it out about Grealish there. But generally, I do want Grealish just to, you know, just to hang back and just hope that it breaks down and then punish the team. That's what he's there for. Same with Barkley, same with Traore. And then what happened when, and I thought they were two decent subs and probably at the right time, but when Traore and Barkley came off, McGinn went in the Barkley's position and El Ghazi was on Traore's side. And they're just too honest. And McGinn's disposition is to drop back anyway and just do too much work. And El Ghazi was 
deeper and helping out Cash too much. I'm sure Cash is thankful for it, but it's just like, no, go, like, it's been working fine. Just get back up the pipes. Let, let, let Cash work hard and uh, just cheat them a little bit and give them something to worry about. Like, there is something about, about El Ghazi. Like, he, he's, he's a more conservative option. I can see why people might want them, especially, obviously, scoring a few goals as well. But, yeah, maybe too safe in a game like this. You could just get cut, penned inside the way Crystal Palace were. And that, like, that was terrible. Villa looked way more potent than most teams against Man City. Like, I had absolutely no problem with the subs. I mean, Trory was fin- finished and Barkley was a liability. We w- they wanted to get Barkley off just before he came off. They won a free kick and they left him on. And then the ball comes to Barkley. And because he was, he was finished, he was done. He, was, he hadn't done anything in about 15 minutes that was, that was worth talking about in a positive light. He done plenty to talk about in a negative light. And the ball comes to him and he, he tries to go through four players. Yeah. All of, all of Man City's team are just running out. They're, they're counter-attacking here because they're waiting for Barkley to lose the ball. And sure enough, he does. And then he gets the curly finger straight after that. Um, yeah, but Barkley was an absolute liability waiting to happen in the second half. I thought I thought he did very well to come back out. I thought he was really bad all day. Um, but he was definitely, definitely taken off at the right time. And yeah, yeah Troy again. Troy can't seem to play beyond 65, 70 minutes. He just doesn't have it in his legs yet. And yeah, he was he was asking to be taken off as well. Uh, third WhatsApp winch, and I said to see during the week, should have just played the kids. <laughs> You're a fucking loser. We're fucking Tyrone Mings heading the ball away from getting a nil all draw tonight. Yeah. Against what you declare, who you declared the best team in Europe? There, like, should have played the kids. But before this game as well, you were talking about, oh, they're going to get injured because they haven't played a match in ages. So you don't want them to play another match? Is that, is that going to protect them for the Newcastle game? Well, they're going to play their best players. But they can beat Man City. They beat Liverpool 7-2. <laughs> this is the most bizarre season of all. You don't just concede a game. Villa are in the top six teams on form in the Premier League. You don't just not try to play Man City. This isn't the fucking FA Cup zone. I feel like uh, right now, like Gary Neville, you know when Jamie Carragher's going off on one and he's completely disagreeing and Neville's just got that cockiness where he's not really listening to him and he's letting him have his say and he's going to come in and just disregard everything he says. That's exactly how I feel right now when you're going off on one and, and I just, you know, I'm not going to change my mind on this because <laughs> I, had, I had the foresight to say we're going to lose this game anyway. And in hindsight... Oh, fucking well done. You <laughs> predicted who you think are the best team in Europe beating us. And, you know, and knowing as well, we had five games in 12 days. I thought we could just cut that down to four games, go, go hard at it for four matches. And what's happened now in hindsight is that McGinn is missing the next game. Neil Taylor will probably fucking play. Everyone is knackered. And they're going there with a little bit less confidence now because they lost a match and Tyrone Mings has shown what he can do. And now that's in their heads as well. The same way a bad keeper is in your head. Same way a Nyland drains confidence out of a team. Now it's just been hammered into them. For 80 minutes, we were right there with Man City. Might have even won the match if we had a hung on. And we've just got this guy at the back who's given out orders. <laughs> and he's, he might fuck it up for us. And now everybody's going to the Newcastle match, a game you should absolutely be winning. Now, Neil Taylor's playing, Marvelous Nakamba is playing, and Tyrone Mings is playing, and everyone knows that too. Conan, Conan, 
They're playing Steve Bruce's Newcastle United after losing a game that will be in everybody's head as a massive injustice. Rodri was 30 yards offside. <laughs> That's why we lost to the best team in Europe tonight. And now we have to go and make that right against, thank fuck, Steve Bruce's Newcastle United. This is Steve Bruce. He was managed, he was presiding over a club sitting in 14th in the second tier of the English pyramid with the best English player in his fucking team. He had Jack Grealish in the championship and he was 14th. <laughs> Do you know how sad uh, Steve Bruce is in Newcastle? Is it, do you ever like, do you ever be flicking through your phone? There's so much news nowadays, like in sport and the words. Too, there's too much, there's too much news going on, especially if you're in Ireland. And, uh, you know, so you sometimes just read a headline and you, you fire on with your day. And I don't know what, I don't know what I read, but I, I thought Newcastle had hired a new manager. And it was just so uninteresting and so like obvious that I was like, all right, and carried on with my day thinking that Steve Bruce was gone. And then I saw the team sheet against uh, Arsenal. I was like, okay, the new guy is changing. <laughs> the new guy's changing the formation. So I started Googling Newcastle and I saw Steve Bruce chatting shit about doing it his way. You know, he's like, you've been in charge for two seasons. What are you talking about doing it your way? You know, and it's just like that, like that sums up Steve Bruce that I thought. He was sacked, and the sums up Newcastle. I thought they had a new manager and couldn't care less. I knew even the new manager wouldn't be making an impact. It's going to be another dud. Like, no, you know what? You know what sums up Steve Bruce and Newcastle? The fact that they're now doing it Steve Bruce's way, and they fucking lost three <laughs> 0 Yeah, yeah. But this is the but this is the this is the one though that I I will get nervous about, and you will too. Like I was enjoying. Today, looking forward to the match. Obviously, there's a bit of excitement because I haven't played in so long. But, you know, it's, it's a shot to nothing. You lose the Man City, who really cares? Like, I know I'll say play the kids. Um, I'll be happy, actually, that I, I was proved right <laughs> playing the kids. But, um, but now it's Newcastle. You have to win this. Like, you know, it's, this is a chance to, like, make those games in hand count. They started getting pissed off when I hear people talk about Southampton and West Ham. It's like, lads, like, Villa are doing way better than all this crowd. They just have to play their games, but they need to win these games now, especially the ones against Newcastle. And uh, yeah, with that comes a bit of pressure. Um, fourth, what's up, Winge? Fucking shit! Actually, no, that's a Trory one. We already talked about that. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I already poo-pooed that one for you. <laughs> yeah. um, and with that, we'll get into uh, some categories here. The vitamin meter going up and... Well, I thought you would have been surprised at this, but listening to you talk, I don't think you're surprised at all. Matt Cash, I <laughs> I was um I had him going down initially because Phil Foden just took it past him a few times very easily. There's one time where they were talking about amazing footwork from Phil Foden. I was like, what? Oh. Was it amazing footwork or was it just the worst bit of defending I've ever seen from both Cash and Ferrari? But do you know what? Like, Foden got the better of Cash tonight, right? Foden actually had him on toast. But Cash did not collapse. Like, sometimes that's going to happen. Like, you've got an amazing player there on the left whose confidence is up. He's playing with Man City, so he's got all these great players around him. Like, that, that pass from De Bruyne to him just sums it up. Just so quick, so incisive. Um, and just get, puts him in these positions that, that always has Cash under pressure. 
one on one, sometimes two on one because Ferrari hasn't come back. And Cash didn't fold and he didn't buckle. And he just hung in there. And he did enough. He did enough to just limit Foden and gradually just Foden's influence waned because Cash just kept at him and didn't fade and, and didn't collapse like any other fullback might have. And you know, even confidence would have drained. He would have been afraid of him. And he just kept doing the right thing and mm. trying his hardest. And it was enough. Like Foden still got the better of him, but there's nobody else he would have wanted in there other than Cash, and he just did enough. And for that, he's going up yet again on the Weimar meter. Yeah, I think I think Foden definitely had him on a on a split decision, maybe a unanimous decision, but yeah, it went it went all the way to the last round. Yeah. Um took a lot of heavy punches and he definitely definitely lost to, to Foden, but he was he was really important to just fill his defending all over the game, all, all over the pitch throughout the game. He was really on it. A lot of times it wasn't Foden he was directly up against, but he was cleaning up. He was putting in blocks. Ah, he was brilliant until they decided to start swimming through the air at the end of the match. <laughs> Put your fucking hands down, mate. Like, <laughs> like what, why is your hand up there? Like, what are you doing? Do you know what? I don't even see a replay for that because I was just that pissed off. I, I, was, I was here... I was probably just tweeting about the fucking offside or something at the time. Um, normally I have my phone away because I'm always worried that my, my feed is behind so I never want to look at my phone. See if I, get a, see if I get a text message or a vibration and I can see that Man City are attacking. I <laughs> I get so annoyed and then like I look and somebody is texting me about the game and then just realize now that I didn't text this person back but I just wrote to them saying, don't text during game please. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine receiving that message. Like, you know, what, what a weirdo I seem like to my friends now. But um, yeah. yeah, but I didn't even see that. I was just that pissed off at everything. I didn't even look at the cash uh, replay. The I've got two more players going up. Ezra Kanza, we mentioned. I don't even think we can give him any more credits. Like, he's just he's going up, up and away. Like, he's he's amazing. We we mentioned him weeks ago about being good enough to go to the Euros. Um, for England, like he's he's brilliant. He's got everything in his arsenal, and like the only thing that we were saying, an easy clean up now is being tuned in. You had said at the start of the season that Martinez is going to help bring his game on to another level. Obviously, it has. He's lost those clangers a couple of times. You know, not not tonight, but sometimes you know we might see him oh, just just miskick a pass or whatever. But I think that just happens to defenders um, mm. who are trying to get rid of the ball quickly. But um, yeah, Kanza is just going through the roof. You can jump in. Um, after this one, my target is also going up. Um, you mentioned him already. If I thought my target didn't look athletic, Christ Almighty, Neil Taylor looks out of his depth. Like <laughs> since the last time Neil Taylor played, like this Villa team has gone to a different level, and it's like, what are you doing? I can't, I can't believe that this boy could be training with these players every week. That's that's insane. Every day, um, he just looks way past it. Um, Matt Target was amazing defensively. Now, he is lucky to be going up only because he didn't have the ball and Villa didn't have much of the ball in the second half. Because honestly, I'm not just picking at him or I'm not looking for a way out for us two to be justified in our, our criticism of him every week. Like, he was horrific on the ball. Like, he has never, that I can remember anyway, never played a pass that you haven't seen five seconds before he does it. And mm. tonight, against a team as manic and as well set up as Man City, 
they just cut her out every time. And a couple of times, they stream down the pitch. And I am just ready for them to score. And I'm actually almost excited that I can just pin it on my target. Not excited, but more, more so to accelerate maybe the idea in Dean Smith's head that they need a new left-back. But anyway, my target is going up tonight. He, um, he, was, he was absolutely excellent. His tackling was brilliant. He read the game superbly. A lot of blocks. Didn't put a foot wrong defensively, in fairness to him. Yeah. Um, th- there was definitely a pass tonight that I didn't see five seconds beforehand. I mean, there was a stage just after the Trory touch past the Bruyne and the shot. City counter-attacked. And the ball comes into the box and targets in the right position. He does the right thing. He takes a touch. But then he chips the ball to Jack Grealish's chest at the edge of the box, unimpeded. <laughs> chips it to him at the edge of the box. Yeah. And City just come again. But you're right. He was absolutely brilliant defensively. There was even a moment at the end of the first half where he followed De Bruyne onto the penalty spot. Like he smelled the danger. Yeah. He banned he took matters into his own hands like, uh, and cleared the ball. A lot of things we don't normally associate with him. And just from the first couple of minutes, you could just see that he was on it. He was cutting out through balls. He was putting in hard tackles. Emmy Martinez played a bad pass out to him, but he ran across and just put his foot through it before Sterling got onto it. Yeah. He did a lot of, lot of things right tonight. He was, it was definitely his best game. People were talking about the Villa game, but he was still a bit... He, he was nowhere near as solid in that game and he wasn't tested as much because... Arsenal are absolutely dreadful, or certainly were anyway. Um, but tonight, under that pressure, he was absolutely fantastic. And it, to be honest as well, like his biggest problem on the ball is just a mentality thing. It's obviously a confidence thing. It just, yeah, and again, we're going to leave it on a positive for him because he was, as you say, fantastic. But he just needs to Stop relax. listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that would help him. But like, it just needs to... Stop being so shy on the ball because it's just it's so predictable and it's it puts players into dangerous positions all the time. It often gets the ball cut out, and even if it doesn't get cut out, it's just yeah, as I say, it's a bad pass to someone. It's not on. It's never like my target can deliver a ball and he can play a nice pass if he's put in a position, but if he has to make a decision, it's never the right decision, and that's you know that. I can get on board with that Matt Target and now he, if he's, he wants to step on a bit further, just needs to start backing himself a bit more. I don't know if we want that, but like, he needs to start looking at the pitch a bit more and different options and backing himself to, to pick the right decision. Speaking of which, the only player I have going down is John McGinn, who left his left foot in Birmingham and I don't know where he left his head. A couple of bizarre decisions. Just couldn't seem to connect with the ball properly tonight. Um, worked hard again, you know, give you his base level of work work ethic. But yeah, wasn't it wasn't a good game for him tonight? You know, and it's funny because they're 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 always just willing to willing and ready to laud too much praise on John McGinn because it's a name that they know and they saw he was man in the match against Chelsea during the other game that they watched. Um, yeah. And he wasn't he wasn't good. He wasn't honest by any stretch. No, he was he was shite on the ball. Yeah, it, it was two, it got two half-hearted crossfield balls that got caught out after about twenty meters. Yeah, like do me a fucking favor, mate. It's a shit pass anyway. Yeah, but if you're gonna play it, make sure you fucking play it properly. It was just no look, fifty-yard attempted pass over to Matt Cash, who's in line with you. 
you're the centre midfielder. Just keep the ball. Do something yeah. more interesting than that with it. Don't just play that pass aimlessly and fucking terribly. And by the way, Kai Walker is fucking injured for the last 15 minutes. Can we try and find Jack Relish to get running at him? Instead of just decisions like that. As you say, it was a bad pass anyway. You know, even if it came off, it's pointless. Um, and Cash wouldn't be able to do anything by the time it came down. It's one of those Rooney passes that everyone praised him for and ultimately didn't get anywhere with. Yeah, nah, nah. Like, John McGinn is deservedly going down. And he's, he's, he's dangerously close to me just writing him off entirely, but sure, he wouldn't be the only person that's done that to. No, 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 not writing him off yet. Um, I think he's had more good days than bad as well in the last few months, so... um. No, I um, has. It's just, it's just been too up and down. It's been too erratic. And again tonight, they put in an unbelievable amount of work. But just, yeah, come on, John. We need to keep the ball here. We only have it 20% of the match. Yeah. The Ronnie Rossenthal Award. Um, we mentioned the Bertrand Terori cutting inside. Uh, John McGinn teed up by Jack Grealish. Like, for fuck's sake. You know, there's, there's your chance. It's been rolled on your left foot by the best player you could want it rolled to. There, there, here's one for you. Connor Harahan buries that. <laughs> John McGinn misses it. He misses the ball completely. Harahan's gone to Swansea. John McGinn's missing the fucking Newcastle match and the Canvas plan. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll play Ramsey. I don't know. Um, yeah, terrible, terrible miss. And the only well, actually, you know what? I've got. You can have two options here. Ross Barkley three on two. Which one you say? Oh, <laughs> so the first one. Like it, it's caught out well, but like it, it plays it two seconds too late and very tamely. And from when he did play it, then he has to have a bit of cop on that he needs to, he needs to hit that to Grealish now instead of trying to tee it up. Like Cancelo hasn't just given up, and he's caught it, he's caught it out too easily. And then in the second half, like Terori, it's 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 less of a, an opening, but Terori free on the right, and Barkley is obviously now spooked because of what happened in the first half, mm. and. Uh, does it? Does it? What does he do in here? Does he just lose the ball? I, I don't know what happens. No, he gives it to McGinn, and McGinn wins the free kick. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah he gives it. He gives a shit pass to McGinn's right foot, um, and he should. He should have played it to, to Troy. And you're right, he was spooked. Ah, uh, the one before that. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you identified that he, he takes an extra touch, and that just fucks him over. Yeah. And then the pass to Greedis just isn't on anymore, and I don't think he should play it. You're right. Cancelo hasn't given up, and he's fucking brilliant. He knows what you're trying to do, and he's well able and athletic enough to cut it out. Don't he cost sixty million? Don't play a fucking trickled pass to your best player as well. It couldn't have been more telegraphed or poorly executed. And it sounds like I'm definitely giving it to him, but because I don't actually know what John McGinn did, I think it has to go to him. It, we didn't get a replay because it, it sparked a counter attack, so we never saw it again. What the fuck happened there? Uh, like. I think it has to like. I was going to say the Berkeley one's more of an opening. It's not like the ball has gone to the shooter in John McGinn's case, and he is just <laughs> like. I'd say the reason that we might rule that out is because it got nowhere near being a goal. <laughs> so it feels like it wasn't a chance. Like uh, closer to being a fucking throw in. <laughs> yeah, like it went backwards. It just completely missed the ball. It was. I don't like Greenish hasn't hit it too hard or anything like he's teed it up for him on his left and he's just completely missed it he's he missed the ball like that's that's not good enough when you're when you're 10 yards out against man city 
and it's nil nil. Score the fucking goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're agreed. Yeah, we're agreed. It's John again. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Uh, this was actually a sweet moment in the first half. Does Pep like Smith too much to be arguing with him? Or did he just not care that much about the Ming's time wasting the battle? And he was just trying to get on the referee's case, and obviously it worked in the long run. <laughs> Maybe. I, no, I think, I think he was just telling Pep to calm the fuck down. And I think Pep realised how much of a titty he was being. Did he actually think that Throw Mings was trying to waste time with 35 minutes gone? Like, <laughs> do me a fucking favour. And maybe, maybe he just knows that Pep Guardiola is the biggest cunt in world football. And it was just, <laughs> he was ready to go after him about something. And he was happy to do it over that. Like, do me a fucking favour. Throw Mings has decided to move up the pitch because everybody else has. So he leaves the free kick to his yeah. fucking goal. Yeah. It was just it was nice then the way Pep just backed down, smiled, and gave him a big high five. And you know Smith eventually took it as he's mid, mid sort of remonstrating with him. And I actually had this image in my head then wondering like you know what was going through Smith's Smith's mind at that stage. And I could, for some reason like, you'll laugh at this, and I don't mean to get at him either, but I just had this image of Smith sort of walking back to his technical area or back to his, the rest of the staff. And John Terry arrives. He's just come down the tunnel with like a you know, a bag of chips or something. <laughs> he's, just, he's just been keeping himself busy. <laughs> and he's just asking what happened there. And I, I just thought Smith would just be like, I don't know, he's a fucking weirdo. Like, he just couldn't figure yeah. out himself what had happened there. And Pep just gives him a big enthusiastic high five and, and walks away. It was, a, it was a bizarre one. I think we saw what happened there is that Pep Guardiola once again reveals himself to be a cunt. <laughs> and somebody finally calls an out on it because it's not some fawning fucking journalist it's not jeff shreves just desperate to be pals with him yeah it's not jeff shreves or someone of his ilk who has been told for the last 10 years that pep guardiola is a genius so we all have to respect him respect everything he says and respect what he's done for football he's saying tyrone mings is trying to waste time in the 35th minute by letting his goalkeeper take a free kick he's a fucking tit <laughs> and he realized that and then he tries to make amends by pretending, ah, I'm not actually bothered by that. That's beneath me. It's not beneath you. You constantly prove in interviews that things like that aren't beneath you. You're a narky little prick, Pep. <laughs> Can we take a moment to talk about Jess Reeves, actually? Like, you know, I think you said it about Sean Dice. Like, how does he get out of bed every day to do his job? Like, what, what gets Jess Reeves up when his alarm goes off? Like, just this desire to to try and make footballers and managers like him who obviously don't and it never works. Like People see through you just arse-licking them for the sake of doing it. And it's, it's way over the top with Jess Reeves. It's so much so that the United-Liverpool match, you know, he's, he's interviewing them all the same way. He loves a draw because he gets, to, he gets to be everybody's pal or he gets to try to be everybody's pal. And, you know, is, is there asking Solskjaer He's trying to ask him about how solid they were defensively. And then he says to him, or no, sorry, the chances. He talks about the chances that they had. And then he says, but you were really solid defensively. Is it about balance? What the, like, well, of course it is. Like, what do you think he's going to say there? No, I think we have to be imbalanced. Like, what a <laughs> stupid question. It's just, like, I don't know why I'm, I'm going off one here about Jess Reeves, but then just like 
seeing him interviewing Frank Lampard last night, who Chelsea were destroyed last night. Could not have been played off the park anymore by Leicester. They, Chelsea look like no-hopers. And there he is just like... And I've heard him have this exact same interview with Frank Lampard three months ago. And it's like, are you more annoyed because the players aren't giving you the effort? And he's just feeding Frank Lampard those lines. People slag Lampard about you talking about you got to run, you got to do the basics. And that is ridiculous that he keeps saying that. But Jeff Reeves is teeing him up for it every time as well. It's always on Sky Sports that Frank Lampard reaches for this shit. And he's only too gladly been given a platform by Jeff Reeves. Well, like this is the other thing. Like all these managers and players are media trained. That they they're well able to bat away questions, yeah, and not say anything. So you don't need to fucking throw them an underarm pitch. <laughs> they're going to be able to bat it away anyway. Ask them a challenging question, and then see how they can give the robotic answer to that. <laughs> Hopefully, they'll actually end up giving a proper answer. Yeah, if you're a fucking journalist. Get some information out of them. Like, Jeff Rees might as well not interview them. What they say is just what he has said. They're just repeating the question back to him. What a waste of everybody's time. What a lot of people might not have noticed as well, so everyone was um, praising James Madison's interview yesterday, and it was a really good interview. He came across really well. But the best thing about it was that he wasn't answering Jeff Rees' question. (laughs) He was just talking about what he wanted to talk about generally. And and then Jeff Rees was doing his best to ruin it. And you could, towards the end, you can hear James Madison talking over Jeffrey who's trying to cut in and ask another shit question and Madison is obviously articulate and he's, he's, he can think well and he's trying to just finish his point before Jeffrey ruins the interview so like that interview is getting a lot of praise but it was in spite of Jeffrey's best efforts but back to Villa v Man City um, was it a brilliant save by Martinez or a really weird decision not to come out and claim it I thought it was a really weird decision initially, but yeah. then you see the replay and it, it, isn't, it isn't as close to him as I thought it was and it drops a lot quicker than I thought it does. It's an absolutely ludicrous save. It's, it's amazing because it's not like he's just made himself big there. He throws his leg out yeah. after, after Silva takes the shot. Like that, that's a save. Like that's a reaction save from that close when he's already kind of on the ground to be able to get his leg out like that. It was absolutely ridiculous. And then Mings and Konza were brilliant to cover around as well. But it was an absolutely, a, just a silly save that somebody shouldn't be making. Yeah, it was lethal. Like, he, he just knows exactly what Silva's doing there as well. And he reads it well, reacts phenomenally. And uh, oh, like, I can't believe he's not even been talked about more. <laughs> you know? Maybe if it was nil-nil, it might be something that we'd pull up a bit more. But um, it's just Emmy Martinez for you. It's, it's superb. Like, and even just, you're right, like I thought initially, what are you doing? And with the first replay, I thought he could have just, you know, stretched his arms out and caught it. But he's just made a calculated decision there. Like, you know, I might not get there. Could foil him. Could flap at it. Do you know what? I'll just read what he's doing and, and block it. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. exactly what he did. Blocked it with his foot. Brilliant. Brilliant again from Martinez. Um, who isn't going up on the Vima meter just because he can't go any further up, by the way, just in case anybody's wondering. Um... Last one. Is anybody ever going to be held accountable for these decisions? <laughs> Genuinely, like this is this is insane. How like I don't even mean Villa. I know everybody feels like they're affected by VAR, but but what's happening? We've got technology. How do we have technology in the game and people are questioning whether or not we should use it? How have we gotten to that stage? Where like where are these experts? Like you know, it's like 
they're saying there, like, you know, oh, we'll, we'll get there, Miguel, her shots. Who cares? Like, he's a referee as well. Like, he's just as liable to, to fuck it up. What's happening? Yeah, but, Conan, the technology is just a referee as well. Yeah. You know, VAR isn't technology. It's just another John Moss, but he's just sitting in a fucking shed. It, I, the, one of the most frustrating things about that is if the linesmen aren't told to keep their flag down when there's a goal-scoring opportunity, just let the play play out, there's absolutely no way in the world that linesman wouldn't have given an offside there without VAR, without that, without that instruction from the, from the governing body to, to keep your flag down. Like that is point. definitely, definitely waved offside. Yeah. That's a really but again, Tyrone Minx had just fucking cleared the ball. <laughs> Uh, final word for um, Connor Harahan. What a what a massive player he's been for Aston Villa. Like genuinely, he came under Steve Bruce when things were going really bad, and just you know, like Villa getting promoted, almost like you know went, uh, almost got sorry, almost went into liquidation. By the way, um, and you know, like. It just it just helped him at the right time, and it just created so many big moments. Had so many assists. His numbers are phenomenal for a centre midfielder. Like, don't forget mm-hmm. when Dean Smith came in, he was playing at the base of that midfield. He was just playing as a number six, and you know, yeah. dominating the championship. Got them up, came up through the leagues. Everybody knows his story. I did a piece on him uh, just before the Wembley playoff final, and talked to like all his old coaches and his old friends and stuff from from Cork in Ireland and. Just how highly everybody speaks of him. He was a striker back in the day, not rated by a lot of people, even locally. It's like you hear the story a lot. Footballers, like it's sort of what hardens a lot of them. Um, you know, and then obviously went to Sunderland, didn't work out. Looked like he was going to have to come back to Ireland. You know, gets picked up at the last minute just through a trial. Comes into League Two, works his way up to League One. Stars there, goes into the Championship, gets a bit moved to Villa, gets Villa promoted. <laughs> and everybody talks about that goal he scored against West Brom, which was sensational. One of the one of the best moments in recent history for Villa. That just you know being teed up by Grealish and you know smashing it in Villa Park going nuts. They were one nil down. Do not forget Villa were one nil down because Glenn Whelan fucked up in the first half, let the ball go under himself. Imagine Villa didn't get promoted because of that. But somebody like Connor Hurrahan was there to just drag Villa through every time something went wrong score big goals, get big assists. Just, and, and, like, you know, I think the team has started to move on a bit more now. Like, you know, when when Ramsey's playing ahead of him, when the camera's been brought in ahead of him now, you know, it's not getting game time anyway, but when people are injured or, or coming off, Harahan hasn't been called upon. But even when he, he has been playing of late, when things were starting to move up through the gears, he never looked exposed or anything. He just... It always just gave you what you knew you would give you. It wasn't you never came into a game thinking, Christ, like you know, I hope Hurahan's not gonna fuck it up. Like that never happened. Like mm. he just always gave you a baseline which was always solid, always reliable, always a delicious left foot. And honestly, you go to Swansea now unknown and I've seldom like I can't I can't remember a player who goes with such well wishes from everybody at the club and supporters and like apart from James Milner like that's the last person I can remember when he went and like the stuff that he did at Villa and the way he held himself like to be compared to James Milner is 
says a lot about Conor Hurrahan. And um, yeah, thank you from everybody at Villa, and well done on an amazing, amazing journey. Yeah, he's been he's been involved in so many great moments, and you mentioned it already. But the goal against West Brom in the playoffs is is really the one that stands out. I mean, and this comes after Dean Smith had bottled it and dropped him. Yeah, Hurrahan has to come on and rescue him. How many times did that happen as well? Actually, he had he fight his way back, and he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just the, the, him being dropped, it just rem, reminds you of the, the moment that I started to fall back in love with football <laughs> when I realised that everything was going to be okay. I think mean, I've mentioned it before. It was Dean Smith being interviewed after, I think it was when we spanked Frank Lampard's Derby 3-0. And he was asked why he picked Hurrahan, a ball player, in the holding midfield role. And he said it was because he was a ball player. Because he's a good passer. Yeah. And like, I mean, four or five games later, it all went to shit for two months with Grealish getting injured. Yeah. Until he came back again when we spanked Frank Lampard's Derby 4-0. And that started a... <laughs> <laughs> the ten game winning run, and that was that was just so much fun. Hurrahan as part of that midfield free with with Jack and John McGinn it just improved my life immeasurably during that time. And you know, I'll always love them for that. That was just such an enjoyable time to be an Aston Villa fan, and it was such a good team to watch play. And it was just a great bunch of lads. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. Thanks a million, Connor. All the best. And we'll see you after the Newcastle game. Look, didn't go our way tonight. Fucked over again. A mistake again. Went to Man City. Gave it her all. Gave them a, a good see into. A regroup. They're a good team. Relax. I can't believe that I'm saying that. Relax yourselves. It's going to be okay. We've got good players. We've got an amazing manager. And we've got Newcastle next. We've got Steve versus Newcastle next. Things are only looking up. Let's go. See you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 